When prominent YouTubers or content creators of any platform first envisioned the glory of reaching the status they long coveted, their fantasies probably revolved around having active audiences and being able to embark on exciting projects. The early daydreaming of those trying to build a name on a platform for user-generated content largely revolves around the creative side of this industry. What types of videos am I going to make? What other creators will I collaborate with? What kind of trends will I tap into for videos? What inside jokes will I have with my fanbase? It's an undeniable fact that you can't have a prosperous career as a content creator or influencer without being wildly creative. That's a prerequisite. But it isn't the whole picture. While a viewer may see a YouTube channel that amasses millions of monthly views as, oh wow, just a person turning on a webcam, having fun, and calling it a day. In reality, that's as naive as saying that a CEO attends a few meetings and that's the extent of their obligations. You have no idea what needs to happen behind the scenes. To prosper on YouTube, you have to have a strong business sense. No channel can survive on a digital platform without meticulously planning a long-term strategy. You have to know how to make valuable connections, how to monetize in a way that doesn't annoy your audience, how to analyze your data, how to hire and delegate, and so much more. Successful content creators are CEOs. But again, many start their YouTube journey not thinking about the amount of business strategy they have to implement. Most of the time, they're just thinking about entertaining. Creators have to understand that their prolonged influence and popularity is dependent on them building a brand. They need to be CEOs. That's where today's guest comes in, Leslie Morgan. To put it simply, Leslie Morgan has built a name for herself in helping creatives build and scale their brands, decide who do you hire and why, as well as how to scale so creatives can focus on continuing to diversify their businesses. Leslie has worked with Michelle Fawn, Chad Wildclay, John and Hank Green, and so many more. This was such a fun conversation, and seeing as we continued our convo for 20 minutes after we stopped recording, it's fair to say that we only scratched the surface of her knowledge of this space. Enjoy. Awesome. Well, Leslie Morgan, thank you so much for being here and really being able to expand on what it takes for creators to build their own brands. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you about this. Yeah, as obviously this really is your forte. Um, I want to read something that you wrote in the email. And if you can expand on this a little bit just to start, I, I think there's a lot we can build off from here. But 
helping creatives build and scale their brands. Um, so I guess, what does that mean for a creator universe where, you know, a creator is defined as somebody who has five subscribers, but could also be, I don't know, John and Hank Green, where it's hard to even calculate what their reach really is. Definitely. I mean, usually when I'm working with creators, they've hit a certain threshold. So they've built, you know, a, a foundation of a business. Um, they're monetizing that business. Um, you know, they've got a certain amount of revenue that is kind of keeping them afloat. Maybe they're in a place where they're ready to hire an assistant or an editor. Um, from that place to, you know, uh, brands that have businesses with 50 plus people. Um, typically, I don't work with creators who are just getting started. I'm happy to mentor, give advice. Um, but it's a lot tougher if there isn't a, a already kind of sustainable monetization flow with regard to their business. Right. And I guess if you can speak to your past experience with doing this with creators. So say they have now reached the the level where they can get on the phone with Leslie Morgan. Uh, I don't know how many impressions monthly that means, but what from there is generally the conversation of, hey, these are the next steps. This is how you need to properly think about uh, your channel or just your overall influence as a business. Yeah, usually they're at a place where, um, you know, they, they're, I don't want to say they're getting burnt out, but they're in this like hamster wheel of content, 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 content. Right. And so they're now trying to move their business to the next level and they don't know how to do that. They don't know what they need. They don't know if they should hire somebody. They don't they don't know what's next. And so I really kind of look at it as an audit. Right. Here's where you are currently. Right. Here's how to take what you're doing to that next level so that they're not on this study like I'm on a hamster wheel. I'm on a hamster wheel. I churn. I churn. I Because it shouldn't just be about churning out content. I mean, that's the game. Right. Like that's the game that everybody's playing. I need to be on every platform. I need to be churning out content all the time. You know, but at the same time, I think it's so crucial to really think about your mental health. You need to think about, you know, how do you take yourself out of some of the day-to-day -day weeds to make it bigger than just the churn of the content. Now, that being said, some creators love that. That's all they want to do is make great content. And if that's all you want to do, they shouldn't call me because there's also nothing wrong with that as your business model. I would say if that's your business model, think about the platforms that you are on and make sure that you are everywhere because you don't know how long that's going to last. And look, sometimes it's also, it's a side hustle. It's something they're just passionate about. Maybe they have a full-time job. Like again, all of those things for me, I think that's great. I would say at that point, those are creators that are not talking to me. I think they need to keep doing what they're doing if they need help or guidance or saying, hey, I just want some additional sponsorships or like, hey, can you, can you introduce me to X, Y, or Z person to help me monetize a little bit more? I'm happy to like offer like tips and tricks, but if somebody's at a point in their business where they are looking to diversify their revenue streams, and they are looking at needing to scale, meaning looking to bring on additional team members in order to have a successful holistic business, that's when that's when creators call me. Right. And it really is at the end of the day, if this industry has really shown one thing time and time again, it's you need to diversify, you need to have eggs in many baskets 
because you never know when one revenue stream is going to be completely, I guess, unmonetizable. Um, so I guess this would be if, if you're on the phone with a creator, and I know this is probably not how it would ever play out, but just for make-believe, if you are on the phone with a creator and they're saying to you, hey, listen, my videos, they don't get demonetized. The YouTube algorithm loves me. I don't know if I need to do merchandise or if I need to hire more people. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And frankly, I, I have no reason to think it's going to stop working out. Um, I guess, what would your thought uh, and or I guess the audit you would speak to on uh, that mentality? I mean, you're renting your platform. So unless you own your own platform, which, you know, certainly I'm, I'm sure there's creators out there that maybe they own and operate their own site or their own app where they can monetize and control what revenue comes in or out. I would say you rent your platform. And so you have no control over a platform that you rent. So you rent YouTube. You're also renting your audience. You have no direct control. You have no, you know, you have your, yeah, you have your data, right? But like you don't own that person at all. And, and you only own so much data, right? So like there's specific things that YouTube says you can see, but you can't see everything. And so I would just say, hey, like if that's what somebody wants, 100%. I mean, I, I've certainly had enough creators come back to me and tell me I'm right. And that's not me being like <laughs> egotistical, but it's me saying to them, hey, like, if you don't try A, B or C, if you don't license your content to different platforms, which is very low hanging fruit opportunities, if you don't want to like sell t-shirts, if, if all you want to do is just do YouTube for your whole career, cool, I would advise them to think about what's beyond that if something were to happen if you know your your revenue suddenly drops because you know COVID happened and so a lot of creators got hit pretty hard i would say like march april may ish and their revenue dipped significantly because marketing dollars weren't being spent so like i i you know again like i i would encourage anybody to kind of look big picture but i can't i mean i all i can do is advise and give somebody like my two cents and like hold up the mirror and say hey like this is what i'm seeing are you seeing this too? And if they don't want to see it, like, again, I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody saying like, this is, this is my path and this is what I want. And I'm not there to like convince them otherwise. I'm there to just kind of guide and give them advice on, on what they want to do. Yeah. And you said something really interesting there, which was, hey, be open to licensing your content, which is one of the streams of revenue for a creator I don't often hear mentioned. Uh, I know Pocket Watch, for example, with the kids creators, and we were just talking about uh, kids content before we started the interview, but you know they have a, a really clever model where they do repackage things for Roku and Hulu, but that is one area um, that I really think a lot of creators aren't thinking about that. So can you speak a little bit more to uh, the licensing strategy and maybe how it's been done in the past with your uh, implementations? Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of creators I've worked with have been super hesitant to do it. Either A, they're like, I don't need to, right? Because like, I have my audience, why do I need more? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want people everywhere? Because not everybody watches YouTube. And if let's say hypothetically, you do want to sell more t-shirts and you can package your content, sell it somewhere else, you could potentially, you know, get a lift from somebody else's platform, right? Or somebody else's audience coming to you. It's almost like, I almost look at it as like a big collab opportunity potentially, right? Like I just think, and again, like I don't necessarily think that's, that creators would 
necessarily make crazy money. Like I, I do feel strongly that YouTube is a great path for monetization once you hit certain thresholds. And maybe it's pennies to the dollar, but like it's still money on left on the table. And it's like, it's still dollars at the end of the day. So let's say hypothetically, you were to go on a Roku or another platform. And let's say, you know, equivalently, like from a, an equivalent standpoint, you know, you're making like a thousand bucks on YouTube and you make like a hundred bucks off that platform. It's still a hundred bucks. Like it's a hundred bucks that you can like put into something else and invest in like a piece of equipment or, or what have you, you know? And I think, again, I think it, it goes back to when creators hit a certain threshold, looking at those opportunities, like look at opportunities everywhere, right? Again, you're, you're able to maybe get lift and, and monetize your content somewhere else. Why wouldn't you do that? And again, I, I certainly have had my fair share of pushback. Um, from creators, high level creators, in fact, they're like, I don't, I don't need to do that. What's, what is this going to benefit me? And these are creators that like, you know, had, had deals at Target or Walmart. And I'm like, you could get additional people to spend money to purchase your product. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Um, it's also how I feel about developing off platform. There's so many great platforms. There's Disney plus there's Netflix, there's, you know, there's a plethora of them of them out there, um, HBO Max, et cetera, et cetera, right? So if you have an opportunity to go to a platform, develop an idea with them, pitch what you want to do with them, and you have an opportunity to do that, why wouldn't you? You know, I think a great example, um, and I don't know the ins and outs of this, but like Lord DIY, who, you know, with Select, packaged her show, sold it to HBO Max. Now she's got a show on HBO Max. You know, whatever that deal looked like, I don't know. You know, that's just another way to build additional eyeballs that maybe would funnel through to her YouTube channel or her social platforms or what have you. So again, I just, I think if there's money on the table from a licensing standpoint, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think what's so perplexing about that too is... I, I cannot tell you the amount of conversations I've had with creators where the second we start going into, where do you see yourself 10 years down the line? And they really start divulging, you know, their fantasies every time it's, oh, I want to show on Netflix. I want, but for some reason, the mentality is totally different, I guess, to what you're saying when it's to licensing your own content. But, you know, I think that sentiment uh, that I hear from creators really speaks to, uh, oh no, my content, it's my baby. I can't, I'm so protective. Um, and I imagine this is something you must run into left and right where, okay, there is a great opportunity to expand your business here, though you are thinking way too myopically of like, oh no, 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 nobody can touch it. This is me. Um, so how do you deal with that point when it's raised and finding, I guess, the healthy middle ground of, no, this is your baby, but can it, it can also uh, grow like any baby? I think the, the biggest challenge that I find beyond just, hey, license your content on a different platform is I want to control this to the point that like I'm not willing to hire an additional person to help me, right? So I'll give you a really good example. I'll give you a couple of examples, actually. Um, I was in the lifestyle space forever, uh, probably like seven or eight years with uh, beauty creators, fashion creators, um, mostly off, off YouTube. Um, and there was one individual, and I won't say who it is, but she's, she's really big, she's amazing. She's like a sweetheart. And she's still editing her videos. I mean, she's an OG, OG YouTuber. She's been on the platform for probably 11 years. And nobody has ever touched her content, ever. She's always edited her own content. She's up to like four in the morning. This this woman does not sleep. 
you know, she's she's got kids. Like, yeah, she doesn't sleep. She's got children. Like, she she does it all, and she's amazing. But she will never let somebody else touch her content. Another creator just texted me the other day, who I, I'm still really good friends with, who I've known, you know, forever. And she was like, you were right. I basically decided to block shoot my content and hire somebody to kind of help me with this. And you were you were right. Like I, I couldn't do it anymore because I was doing like one video. I was like slogging through editing. So again, I mean, I can understand like it's your creative, but you have no chance to continue to grow and continue to, again, look at this as a business for yourself. What do you want to do in five years, 10 years from now? And so, look, some creators, again, can do it. And many of those that are continuing to do their own editing and their own work, they're not uploading consistently. They have a million different streams of revenue. YouTube is not their core anymore. So they can still do that, right? A lot of creators that are like just slogging through again, back to that churn, they have to start thinking about ways that, you know, can you find somebody that you can teach? Can you find somebody that you want to work with? And again, it's not for everybody, but if somebody is looking to really grow, they have to start bringing on other people. I mean, I had another example with a client of mine, you know, we ended up parting ways because they they wanted so much control. I was like, I can't help you then at that point. Like you, you're not willing to like share with me or give me any insight into anything. How can I help you continue to grow if you just are holding on so tightly to everything? And I think that's how creators burn out is because they're not willing to let things go and the, the things that they probably should start letting go because all it is is like a constant cycle. They're working nonstop. They don't take any breaks. They're having mental health issues. You know, and I think it's about asking for help. I think everybody needs help. Like, you know, nobody can do things alone. Nobody can. I mean, you can certainly, but I think it just makes it just far more challenging for yourself to not be willing to ask for some outside help to, again, help you can, you know, take breaks, go on a vacation, you know, whatever those things are that are going to be meaningful and beneficial to you as a creator. Yeah, no. And really, it's it's if you have longevity in mind truly, then maybe it's best to take a step away from just editing the videos and instead be the mastermind behind, okay, what is the next iteration of this content? Where are the other areas to go? And of course, at the same time, a lot of creators just do not anticipate like, all right, if I'm at 100,000 subscribers now, I feel mentally fine. They don't realize when they get to 500,000 subscribers and they start noticing weird fluctuations from the sentiment of their audience, it's going to be a lot to handle. So uh, that is another uh, question I'd, I'd love to ask you, I guess, weathering the storm of creator burnout and almost making creators cognizant of, hey, these really are the risks. Even if you feel hyper confident right now, this can happen. It happens to the biggest names. It happens to the smallest creators. So um, what is that conversation like when talking about creators about just a long term plan? You know, I always try and and mitigate by like encouraging the creators I work with to take a break. Like, do you have to be the one to upload this? Do you have to be the one to get the final? Can you take like the weekend off? Can you, you know, because you want to get ahead of it. Because at some point, you know, again, it's just that constant go, 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 go. It does catch up with you. And look, a lot of creators have taken a step away from it for a long period of time and they try and get back into it. And the problem is like, you know, YouTube as a platform specifically, right? Now, I'm not talking about like Instagram or other platforms, but YouTube specifically is about watch time. 
And that watch time is about consistently uploading X amount of content and also longer form content. Used to not be like that. I mean, I got my start, you know, in in digital in like 2008 um, and started to kind of work specifically in YouTube in 2011. And it, I mean, you know, we were doing like eight minutes of content, six minutes of content. We started to test long form, like I'm doing that in quotes, like long form, um, which which now is like, you know, considered like 15, 16 minutes of content. That was long form back in like 2012. And we would continue to test lengths and stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the go-to. It wasn't, you have to make sure your videos are all 20 minutes long, 20 minutes long, 20 minutes long. It wasn't the case like at that point. And so a lot has changed within the confines of the platform whereby YouTube is is basically like, encouraging you as a creator to do long content and it's about the watch time and that's how you're going to get the money and blah 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 and so you know i think from my standpoint it's really about just again holding that mirror up like how much longer are you going to want to keep on the grind day in day out before you're just like i need some help and typically i'm able to catch creators before they hit a place where they're burnt out before they're like, I need to give it up. I need to take three months off. But I, there's look, I, there are certainly a lot of creators that I have both, I have worked with for a long period of time that just literally, they were like, I, they took like a year and a half off and they got back into it on their terms. But again, those are the creators that like had multiple streams of revenue and they weren't counting on that as like the way to make money. They they had multiple businesses, they had a merch line, they had this, they had that, like they had all these things that would support them financially, whereby they, they could take a step away, right? So if you are a creator that is like, I'm just slogging, 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 and you've hit, you know, 500,000, and you've got a good stream of revenue going, then I would say, well, where are you financially are you open to like part-time help and like take it slow like i'm also not somebody that wants to encourage somebody to like go crazy and hire 10 people number one i think that's even harder because you have to manage all those people right and you have to teach them and you i mean there's a huge learning curve there and so like start slow like could you hire a part-time assistant could you hire a part-time editor could you hire an uh shooter editor that's going to do one project for you to test them out like test those things and get start to get comfortable on like a piece of content two pieces of content right versus like oh i'm going to hire somebody full-time at like x salary with bonus incentive and da 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 like don't do that like if this is your first if this is your first go round at like bringing on somebody to work with to help you start slow like don't just be like i'm gonna hire five people like that that's actually the worst thing to do especially if you are just getting comfortable and you also need to look at your financial state right and and big picture in terms of that and what's going to make sense for you again as a, as a business because some sometimes you actually might not be able to do that maybe it's like okay could i hire like an intern for a semester and pay them like a flat hourly so that they can maybe help you. Maybe that person grows into a role. There's a lot of ways to do it whereby you're not becoming like FBE or like Phil DeFranco and like literally just, you you know, there's those creators, right, who have like worked hard to get there. But like Benny and Rafi of FBE are a great example. It's like they have been doing this for a very long time since YouTube's inception, right? So we're talking about like what, 15 years on the platform, right? And when they started, it was them. When I met them, you know, it was a tiny team. It was like eight people, right? And now there's like, two, I think like 150, 200 people big in terms of their business. So again, there's, there's, 
there's creators that are at a place where they want to start to grow. And it's really just about thinking in, in steps and taking it in those steps. Yeah. And you know, I, what it's so interesting about that, especially when you cite fine bros and the way in which they've scaled up so tremendously is a lot of these creators, when they're just starting their channel and they're daydreaming about, okay, what is this going to become? Probably a lot of them are not thinking, oh wait, I'm going to have to almost become a manager and have to find ways to communicate my visions to, uh, you know, and, and have different weird hierarchies that all look up to me. Um, and I think that's what's so fascinating about what you do is I guess on the surface, if you met somebody who wasn't too familiar with YouTube, they'd think, okay, yeah, this is just classic brand, uh, you know, uh, business entrepreneurial consultation. But what you're really doing is having to explain to these creators, like, this is a lot more than turning on a camera if you want this to scale. Um, so I guess, how does that really conflict when there are personality types that are thinking, no, I just want to be the creative where, you know, I think you need to have that perfect blend of creativity, but also, I guess, uh, uh, just a business mentality to make this thrive. Yeah, 100%. Or there needs to be somebody like, you know, the other piece of this too, beyond like editors, producers, assistants, it's like, do you have a lawyer? Do you need an, or want an agent? What about a manager? Like there's also additional team members that can help support creatives. Look, I, I mean, obviously we're talking about like the physical production aspect, which I think is important, but I think in general, most creators, when they hurt, hit a certain threshold, need a team. That team should consist of somebody who understands legal issues and can help you with contracts somebody that can help you with accounting a really great cpa who understands your business and understands the inner working so that you don't get you know excuse me but like screwed when it comes to tax season you know you need potentially like an agent or and or a manager depending on what you are looking to do as your business right so i i did want to add that in um and and look i think with regards to somebody saying well i'm creative and i again i need to kind of control it all and and you know also how do i manage a team there are a lot of like teachings and learnings and, and that go into actually having to manage human beings and you're right look sometimes those personalities will clash you know you have to think about for you like does this make sense from a business? Why am I clashing? Am I like not communicating effectively? Like, am I not being clear about my needs? Is the person actually a right fit? I always believe also in trial runs, like say, hey, like hire somebody for like a three month trial, right? Um, and look, again, I wanna be clear, like I am, I am not, you know, somebody that is gonna come in and knows every legal labor law you know, on the planet, those are things, again, that you should rely on people that that know those things. I know like enough to get by in like the for the state of California, New York, Colorado, because those are the places that I do business. But like if you're a creator, let's say based in Illinois, right, and you want to hire somebody, you should always talk to an expert with regards to labor law and legalities because the laws in the state of Illinois are different than the laws in the state of California. You know, since I've left California um, and now I'm in Colorado, 
you know, a lot has shifted in terms of independent contractors. Is somebody an actual independent contractor? Do you have to hire them as a full-time staff employee? Do you, are you then required to give them benefits? Like there's a lot that encompasses that. And so part of what I do is just, again, say, hey, are you prepared for all of these things? And I would like essentially say to them, look, here are some recommendations of people to look at or talk to, to answer at some additional questions for you. Cause there's a lot that goes into it. It's, it's not just, Hey, I'm going to hire this person and they're going to be off and running and do amazing work. Hey, if that happens, awesome. But there's, there's training, there's onboarding, there's understanding your workflow. Can you, can you bring efficiencies to your workflow, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and usually like I'm there as a guide, I will help recruit talent for you. I will kind of work with that creator to really guide them in terms of those processes and then help facilitate additional relationships if they need them. But, you know, I, I only, again, I only have so much runway and can only do so much. Um, there's a lot that really goes into, to all of it. Yeah, clearly. And I think what you're saying, if I'm some creator who's at the 50,000 subscriber mark and I'm listening to this, I'm going, oh my God, wait, tax season for one thing, but then everything else, <laughs> this is not what I thought when I thought about my long-term plan. But um, I, I guess as well, it, say a creator gets to, let's think of a mark where they start to get attention from brands without a doubt. You know, they have a clear loyal following. Say maybe they get to 200,000 subscribers and they are averaging after a 30-day period, let's say a, a similar amount of views, 200,000 views. What does that creator, and I imagine it differs for content vertical to content vertical, which I want to ask you about in a sec, but... What is time and time again, uh, is there a consistent piece of advice in terms of hiring that you give that creator of this is the first person you need to bring to your team as a person who does X? Somebody who is really well-versed in contract negotiation um, and somebody that can help you. Like, so if you are getting deals in, right, and you yourself are having to negotiate on your behalf, try not to do that. Like it is worth every penny and you can negotiate in terms of whether it's a lawyer whether it's even somebody like me because you know again i would advise to see a lawyer not just see me just to be very transparent but i've done enough contract work that like if it's a, something super basic i could totally do something like that so like somebody right that understands verbiage that understands statement of work that understands what that looks like in terms of like is a piece of content that is going to be in perpetuity, meaning that brand owns that piece of content forever. Does it have to be up for 30 days, 60 days, like 25 days? Like, you know, what about the comp competitive brands, right? That you can't talk about for a 60 day period, like exclusivity, all those things, right? That are baked into contract. Like I would always say, get somebody to work with you to help you, number one, make sure all that verbiage is really clear you understand all of it really clearly that you know from a negotiating standpoint you're getting the best value possible um don't undersell yourself and that's why having somebody there to negotiate on your behalf then you just do the creative then that person would work with you to say hey this is what they want from you are you comfortable i'm going to ask for this are you good if i ask for this do you want me to ask for that? Like, you know, and it's a working relationship between hopefully a lawyer or somebody that's really great at negotiating contracts, you know, the creator, and then that person deals directly with the brand and that creator never has to. 
right? Like they have that relationship and that's super important. I'm, I'm all about keeping that relationship, but then you don't have to be the bad guy. You don't have to be the one that's thinking about creative, but also negotiating on your behalf. So for me, that is 100% the first person I would say you should look at is hire a lawyer. You know, and lawyers work project to project. Sometimes they, you know, are hourly. It's worth the money that you're going to get from that deal to pay somebody a little bit of money to like go through that contract and get the best deal possible for you. Wow. So that would be, and I I guess this could really be a, a manager. This could be a lawyer, just somebody who really understands what's happening here. You would say that is even more crucial than an an editor to help you then even scale the amount of videos you're able to make in a month. You would say, first things first, this is what you want to get in order before you even start to think about expanding creatives. Yeah, that and a great accountant. Because if you are already, if you are already in the process, if, right, if you are in the process where you are getting incoming deals, right, there is money that you can earn. Let's say, let's say it's like $5,000, let's call it $1,000, right? Let's just say it's a thousand bucks that you get, right? What if that person can negotiate double? What if they can get you $2,000, $3,000? What if, what if you're like, oh, well, I just want to do YouTube, but this person's saying, well, if you did YouTube, maybe a static post on Instagram and a tweet that actually pay you $3,500. Like, I think that is money well spent. And then once that starts happening to a point, then yeah, then you're bringing, then that revenue, right, that you are making from those deals can go to hiring your editor, your assistant, your person. So like, I always say like, take the money that you are earning off of YouTube and keep that for you, right? That Those AdSense dollars, anything external coming in, you want to try and put that back into your business, I think. So so again, I would get somebody to come in, help you out. There's look, there's certainly people that, you know, again, there's a incredible incredible lawyers, legal people who know this space backwards and forwards. So it it behooves somebody to bring somebody on. Sometimes those lawyers are willing to negotiate with you too, especially if you're like, this is your first couple of brand deals. You've never done this before, right? And and work with that person to feel comfortable about the money that you are spending, right? Like hopefully you're not like the deal is like, if the deal is like 200 bucks and you're paying a lawyer 200 bucks, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? But we're talking about like, once you're getting into the thousands of dollars, it does make sense because again, they can really protect you better than probably you can protect yourself. I think I've seen it so often where like creators do their own deals and they miss something. Even if it's the smallest of things, where like there's a loophole, there's like, you know, there's a competitive brand situation that like there's an, ex- again, exclusivity clause for like six months. And it's like, that is not going to help you continue to grow. Like there's ways to negotiate a better deal. And look, to be fair, some creators are very well worst- versed in that, but I don't think it ever hurts to bring in a second opinion so that you can step away from negotiating and have somebody else, again, be the bad guy or like negotiate or do that lift for you. Yeah. And again, I'd say what's incredible about this is it probably is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive to me. And I I talk with creators every day and I think, okay, well, she's going to say editor. She's going to say hire an editor, but people forget. No, it's a business at the end of the day. And um, I I guess on that, uh, this is another big point of curiosity. So let's take two vastly different content verticals. Let's take, hey, I am uh, up and coming, and we'll say both are hitting the 200,000 mark. 
Uh, I am a uh, lifestyle. I, I show my day. I show the outfit I wore today. And then on the other end of the spectrum, let's say you have a snarky commentator YouTuber who's, uh, I don't know, maybe reviewing Netflix movies and in a really snarky, subversive kind of comedic tone. Um, I guess for these vastly different content verticals, when they want to start thinking about how do I expand, how do I monetize beyond what I'm doing right now, is the advice more or less the same as it's one template or is it going to be completely different advice even if we get even into the more specifics of that specific vertical? For me, I look at everybody as their own brand, even, even if it's in the same category. So I've had like hypothetically two beauty creators, right? But their tone is different. What they're doing is slightly different. The kinds of brands that they would work with also different. Like I personally view each person as their own brand, right? Their own creators is a brand. And so everything's slightly tweaked for that human, right? We're all different. We all have different things. And, you know, my, yes, my advice, even in the broad strokes for somebody in lifestyle versus somebody in kids content versus somebody in education versus somebody in comedy. Yeah, completely different. But I would also add again, that even if you're in the same vertical or the same category, my advice might also be slightly different based on what you are trying to accomplish because one creator that's a lifestyle creator might want a slightly different path. Maybe they're more interested in original IP, right? And create and creating and developing like additional content on different platforms. Another creator could be like, I really want an eyeshadow palette. That's my that's my dream. I wanna like I wanna do a like a capsule collection and then I want to develop my own brand. That's a very different conversation than developing IP. So again, it's I have to look holistically at what somebody wants to do not only six months from now, which is part of the conversation, but a year from now, five years from now. And and look, not everybody knows what they want to do a year from now, five years from now. And that's also okay. I, I'm also, I think it's also about just like, okay, let's focus that on kind of the near term and then look at kind of the things. And and look, like, you know, I, I say this with, with a, with a, with very, with, I say this with gentleness and kindness. Creators can sometimes be whimsical. One minute, they're like, I'm on this path. I want to do this. Other time they want to do this. I mean, they're creators at the end of the day. Creative people sometimes like to have their hand in multiple pies. Like they like to do multiple things. They like to try new things. They want to innovate. And I'm all about that, right? So, but it's also about trying to focus people to understand like, okay, I do want to do this, but long-term also, what are you looking to do? And again, if you don't have that answer, that's also okay. I do work with creatives to kind of see if we can get there and forge a path to what like the next three, five years can be and like working on a business plan and those kinds of things, right? Because again, like if you're looking at this as a long-term business for yourself, what are those things that you can do going back to the original kind of point to look at it in a way that's going to facilitate an opportunity for you to make money 10 years down the line. And maybe you won't be the face of it anymore. Maybe your brand will keep going without you. And there's a lot of creators that I've worked with in the past, Michelle Fawn probably being the best example. You know, when I was working with her, she had a deal with L'Oreal. She had her channel, um, her main channel, and then a second channel that I was helping her run. And, you know, she was, you know, starting to think about 
um, ipsy, right? She's starting to think about her own line, you know, but those things had just started for her. And now, yeah, she sold, she sold her stake in ipsy. She's got M cosmetics. Like, I think she's a really great example of somebody that, you know, she, she had kind of thoughts about what she wanted to do, but things shifted just depending on, you know, where she went and the things that happened for her. And I think that happens, life happens, right? I think for all, for all creators. Um, so just because, you know, you are thinking about, this is what I want five years from now and a year from now, if that slightly shifts or pivots, that's also okay. You know, I, I think, I think sometimes creators are sometimes have a habit of being like, this is the only thing that I want. And hold again, they hold really tightly to those things. Sometimes it's just about being open as things shift and change. You know, a year ago, I don't think anybody could have predicted where we are today, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic, like, you know, all of those things happen. So, so times change, things change. And the beauty of, I think, working in the digital space is you get to like pivot a lot and and quickly because of the changes that happen within the confines of, of the digital landscape. Yeah. And, and I think all of that is made so much easier as soon as you start thinking about what you're doing as this is a brand, this is a, a business that I'm building out rather than I am a celebrity because that is obviously going to be more ephemeral. Um, and that was, I, I guess, one of the ending points I was very curious to get your thoughts on, because this is always the big issue with uh, working very closely with one creator, say. And even if they're doing really well, you know, the life cycle of a creator on a platform, you know, you talked about Philip DeFranco earlier, not every creator is Philip DeFranco. You know, you'll find a lot of channels who were the hottest thing in the world in 2011. And you go to their channels now, and I'm not kidding, it's sub 10,000 views. So I, I guess, how do you have to work through the, uh, I, I don't know what you would say, the, the natural life cycle that exists or just the risk of actually being able to successfully scale and make this long-term when chatting with creators? So I think the number one thing is, you know, are they going to be consistent, right? I think consistency on any platform is crucial. I don't care if it's YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and obviously with regards to YouTube, you know, from a monetization standpoint, they're going to, you know, pay out the most out of any platform currently, right? That could change tomorrow. Um, and so I think from my perspective, if they're in it for the long game, again, I think this all goes back to like all the stuff we talked about early on in the conversation. It's like, how do you build a sustainable business? Because yes, at some point, you know, if I, what I've seen a lot of is the consistency stops. Somebody takes a month off, two months off, and then they go back. And it's like, yeah, you, you've been hit. I mean, I've seen this so much for like, again, specifically in the lifestyle space, because those are the creators I work with the most, where somebody's like, I took three months off. They were hitting like a million views. Now they're, they're at 100,000 views, right? Because they just, they got burnt out. They needed a break. They wanted to take time off. They weren't, they weren't feeling creatively fulfilled. Like, so you have to make the choice. If you're going to do that, you are taking a risk. And again, I would not discourage somebody from taking that time. I, I really wouldn't because some people just need to do that. And again, I think Michelle's a great example of that. You know, she was not on that platform probably for like a year plus at least. 
Um, and, you know, she went back on her terms. She's also a very bright young woman. Um, and she un- understands certain things about what to do to game the system to then get more more subscribers, right? Or get more views. So again, I think there there is a, a strategy if you are going to take that kind of time off on how to get back on and like get your viewership back up. But I mean, look, she certainly is an example and she doesn't care. I mean, at this point, but she's not where she was. Certainly when I worked with her in from like 2011 through 2016, um, you know, like millions, millions, millions and millions of views. She was like the darling of the YouTube platform. Every, you know, every time they had a keynote or anything, it was like Michelle's face on like every, every document. Right. So, but you know, again, if, if you as a creator, I don't care who you are, decide I need a, or like, I need to take time off. If you have people around you to support you, that can maybe like, maybe there's like old footage that can be repurposed that you put up. Maybe, you know, you're doing like vlog content, maybe you're switching up the kind of content and maybe the team around you can help support you to keep that consistency up. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it's tough. It really is. And, but again, I think it just ultimately goes back to that's why you need diverse streams of revenue for your business. Because if you have those diverse streams of revenue and you decide, hey, I don't wanna do this anymore, those streams will support you for hopefully a, a long time, a long time to come. Yeah. Wow. This conversation has gone hilariously full circle. Uh, <laughs> it all goes back to what you were saying. If you can build out a team, you mitigate the risk of burnout. And when you burn out less, you can be sustainable, game the algorithm correctly. Uh, and then from there, actually build out something that is a lot bigger than just being a, a quote unquote content creator. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, uh, Leslie, I guess before we part here, uh, given everything we've talked about, is there any ending advice or I guess even a plug that you'd want to throw out to the community? Um, I, I would say in terms of just advice, you know, number one, follow your gut, like follow your instinct. If your instinct is telling you, I need a break, take the break. If your instinct is telling you, you know, I really want to do X or Y, like do X or Y, you know, I I would say first and foremost, always follows those instincts. Like, I think everybody should be doing that. You know, if, if something feels off, don't do it. Like if somebody, if a relationship feels off, don't get in the relationship, right? Just don't do that to yourself. So I would just say like, follow your gut and, you know, just make sure that you really think about, is this something that you want to do in this way? Are, are you looking to make creating your business? And it's okay if you don't want to do that too. Like I, I think f- people feel so pressured to have to go in some crazy direction and be the next, you know, Fine Brothers or the next Phil DeFranco or the next, like you, you just be you. Just do, just do you, right? Just be who you are. Um, and look, if, if somebody wants to kind of follow me, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, Twitter at Morgan Glory. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm, I'm always open to just having conversations, and I continue to just mentor creators as well. Where there's no money exchanging hands, it's just a relationship that I've built because I truly believe in you know this business and I, I believe you know when when somebody wants to go after something I'm, I'm all about helping people so um so yeah i think that would be what i would say follow your gut follow your instincts and you know make sure that you know you really think about what you want and just follow that and and be who you are and do what you want to do perfect god well leslie again thank you so much uh i think really we we all learned a lot about what it takes thanks dylan i appreciate it 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tube Circuit, Exploring Digital Media. Please subscribe for more deep dives and conversations on the direction of digital media.